We've got a couple more songs to sing. And depending on how the time goes, it's communion afterwards. I don't want to, I don't want to make it a marathon, uh, so that we we're too tired to enjoy coming round the Lord's table. Well, what is the? Uh, we're looking at difficult things. Jesus said, "I don't know whether you think this is difficult." I, I think my. my uh, it, as I said last time, uh, pretty awful thing if uh, if the preacher manages to make the difficult things Jesus said seem actually not too difficult at all. Um, so I hope I'm not in risk of doing that. You never know. Uh, what is difficult about it? Well he's talking about a piece of behavior which seems to be extremely costly in terms of the risk in terms of the inconvenience uh, and well the, the financial cost and the other thing that seems to strike us about this conversation is the distasteful nature of the person that Jesus is saying we have to copy because he's a Samaritan so just let's be clear about that, that the Samaritans were looked down on by Orthodox Jews as being uh, uh, definitely second-class citizens, ethnically dubious, uh, religiously dangerous, up the spout. And uh, I remember reading a book where the writer aptly said uh, to an Orthodox Jew, the only good Samaritan was a dead Samaritan. So it's a little bit like Jesus preaching in a Roman Catholic cathedral and saying, uh, a Protestant did such and such, or put it the other way around, uh, going to Ian Paisley's church and saying, and here's somebody I'd like you to emulate. Cardinal so-and-so was doing this. And you could feel the intake of breath or uh, going to uh, um, you know, a very orthodox congregation and saying, uh, and Peter Tatchell, uh, gay activist, did so and so. You do the same as him. And you, uh, if we've got the hang of it, we ought to start to bristle and think, you know, can Jesus really be saying saying that sort of thing? I think the only thing we can do is follow it through and just see what Scripture's saying uh, and try to learn from it. So let, let's follow it through. On an occasion, doesn't particularly link it with any other occasion. On an occasion, it so happened, behold, a an expert in the law, so he's a nomikos, a law person. Uh, uh, nevmatikos is a spirit person, um, spiritual person, or psychikos is a, uh, the natural man. This is a nomikos, a, a law person. Just one word to, 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 to encapsulate all that. And he stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, so he's respectful but I'm 
little bit wondering about what the motivation is here because it says he stood up to test Jesus so I don't think he's asking Lord can you help me with this ethical dilemma I really don't know which way to turn on this what, what should I do I don't think he's saying that he's, he's sort of coming to Jesus with a notebook uh, and tick boxes saying teacher what do you think about this one you know, and he's ready to, to give Jesus marks out of ten, something like that. And the question comes, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which sounds like a good question. It sounds like, what must I do to be saved? That, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit puzzled by this one. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Because I thought that inheritance was something you couldn't do anything about one way or another. So if you've inherited your father's eyes or you've inherited your mother's uh, sharp tongue or something like that, um, inheritance is, is a gift, isn't it? So I, I'm a little bit puzzled by that question. What must I do to inherit? Maybe it's just me. Uh, and I would like to flag up, I think w there seems to be an undercurrent, at least an undercurrent of pride and of self in, in, the, in what this man's asking. He's an expert in the law. He comes to test Jesus. He asks a question which, to my mind, is, seems to be slanted in the direction of self. He's not saying, how can I be grateful for what I inherit? Uh, he's saying, well, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? Now, I, I'm quite fascinated by this. I'm not quite sure I understand all the dynamics of it. Uh, Jesus, I think this is one of the occasions where you can almost sense the, the calmness of Jesus and uh, the way that he's got the measure of his, uh, his inquirer. So Jesus says, well, um, you've asked me a question, so I'll ask you a question. Uh, well, what does it say in the law? You, you are an expert in the law. Uh, what does it say? And I love what he says, how do you read it? It's a beautiful way of putting it, isn't it? You know, there's the words, we could all read the words. How, how, how do you read it? What, do you, what, do you, what sense do you make of it? What do you come away with when, when you've read all that that you're the expert in? And so the answer comes back it's a very full answer so what does the law say love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself I don't think I'm going to try and fault that answer it's very comprehensive, isn't it? And I noticed all the alls. Did you notice all the alls? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind. That's, that's a big love, isn't it? Everything you've got, all that I am and all that I have, Lord Jesus, I give it to you. It's the same sort of thing as that, isn't it? I, to love the Lord your God with everything you are 
everything you have, your mental capacities, your physical capacities, your aesthetic capacities, uh, your emotional capacities, and we all have different capacities in these areas, but whatever capacity we have to love the Lord with all of all of that. And to love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor, I looked it up, it's Plesion. Uh, coming from, apparently, according to my computer, loving from the uh, coming from the word to be near. So your neighbor is, is the near one. Sometimes it's translated friend. And I didn't finish doing the homework on that. But it's an interesting thought that uh, friend and near one can be, uh, can be certainly translated the same on some of these occasions. So love your neighbor as yourself. So however you love yourself, however you would like yourself to be treated, however you would like yourself to be thought of, do that to this near person the person that's near to you whatever you think is fit for me is fit for them however you'd like me to be treated you treat them that way love your neighbour as yourself now what's Jesus going to say to that uh, and he says you are correct and it's interesting that the, the, the uh, expert in the law I think had come with his tick box to give Jesus marks out of ten and actually Jesus marks him out of ten and says you have answered correctly it's uh, the word orthos uh, meaning right not right morally or right um, relationship wise but correct you are correct that's right there's a correct understanding and, and then I think this is a sting in the tail he says oh, go on. yeah, that's correct now go and do it. Now go and do it. There's quite a world of, of things in there, isn't there? Now go and do it. Is it even possible for somebody to do that? That's what we think about this morning. That's one of the whole dilemmas of the, of the Old Testament, isn't it? There's the law. Now can, it, can you do it? Is it is that whole scheme of things such that if you really try hard you can do it and achieve it that's one of the the hidden questions in the law all the way through isn't it and, and Paul resolves it in the end and says uh, you never could it was never meant to, to do that but Jesus poses the same question back to the chappie and says well go on do it then you've given me a correct answer in terms of information now let's see you live it in terms of behavior and I think what an answer that is uh, so what, what is he implying by that I mean is he serious I think he's serious is it a complete answer I don't think it's a complete answer because he says uh, do this and you will live and he could have said he could have gone on to say well, once you try it you'll find you can't and you need to come back to me so that you can live because the law although it might seem to promise eternal life it can never supply it it's only me that can supply that 
So it, it's a, in a sense an incomplete answer, but it, it, it throws it back at the expert, doesn't it? And is it an appropriate answer? I think, I think Jesus being who he was, I think it was appropriate. I think he knew his, his man and the law expert comes to him you know, sort of full of law, I'm going to test you on law, know all about law and Jesus sort of pushes it back at him and says, yeah, you're correct, uh, now do it. And the law man, it says, willing to justify himself and I'm pondering what that motivation is uh, in, in the way the rest of the New Testament talks about justifying oneself. It means to do something so that I am counted right, counted righteous. So he's saying I, I want to, to make myself righteous uh, as, as an end result of this conversation don't want to go away feeling that I've got the worst of this or I've come off badly I want to justify myself and I, I, I don't know do you, do you, do you detect anything of, of pride and self I mean I think he's a nice chap but there is a, I think there's a, an underlying um, bedrock of, of self and self-righteousness justifying self and in order to do that he asks for clarification but who is my neighbor now, I have to say I've no idea whether he means this genuinely or not and I've no idea I can't figure out uh, how this advances his cause but that's the question he asks and then Jesus goes to town on him doesn't he he says, uh, I mean, I think he's, he's asking, so who should I count equivalent to me? Who is the person near to me that I should be treating as, my, as I would treat myself? So is, is it other law, law people? Are those my neighbor? Is it um, you know, people on the same social level as myself? Who, who, do I, who, who does this apply to? Who are the people I'm supposed to love? Who should I treat as myself? That seems to be the, the meaning of it. So Jesus tells this story. Uh, I, presume it's a, I presume it's a fictional story. Uh, it, it looks, in, in the grammar of it, it looks like, uh, it looks no different from a, a piece of history, but I don't think it's meant to be a piece of history. I think it, it's, it's meant to be a story once upon a time there was a man was going down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho you do notice you go down from Jerusalem Jerusalem's top place a little bit like going down from Oxford isn't it they go down from Jerusalem to Jericho is it okay so it's literally down I think it I think it's down um, uh, sort of spiritually or socially or something uh, so this poor chap is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he gets mugged and I feel sorry for him he gets mugged they even take his clothes they beat him up and they leave him half dead so there's Jerusalem and Jericho's down here I've got some other lines on there and there's the chap left half dead 
and then Jesus goes on now you see there's a priest you might know him you might have been at a cocktail party with this priest uh, a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he deviated out of the way and passed by on the other side and also a Levite so he's a religious professional as well he came to the place and he saw the man there he is beaten up half dead no clothes can't tell his social status you can't even tell his nationality poor chap there he is Levite when he came to the, the place and saw him he zoomed out of the way and passed by on the other side and now says Jesus now there was a Samaritan the, the lawyer the lawman Samaritan a Samaritan as he travelled came where the man was and when he saw him he was moved with compassion he took pity on him the compassion word in Hebrew and Greek is to do with your your, your tummy uh, your, your, yeah, this, this part of you here and he felt compassion in his, in his tummy in his, in his innards he was moved inwardly he had compassion he took pity on the man and he goes to him and you realize that uh, he's taking a risk because the robbers might not have disappeared they might be just waiting for some other uh, mug to come and stop so he takes that risk and he goes over to him cleans him up bandages his wounds taking oil and wine which presumably were the appropriate medical treatments that were to hand and he puts the man on his own donkey but you're going to miss your appointment he goes on my own donkey and he takes him to an inn and he takes care of him and it takes all the day verse 35 the next day he takes out uh, two silver coins so two denarii, two days, two days wages, two days wages. I don't know how much you get paid a day. If it was a hundred pounds a day, he gets out his credit card and says two hundred quid on that. If there's more, I'll come back and authorise it later. And he gives it to the innkeeper and he says, "Look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for the ex any extra expense you may have." And there's the there's the story. And the question is going to be who who considered this victim as himself who loved this poor man the way he loved himself so we had the priest who's a holy man by definition is a man who's to do with the sacrifices of God 
He's a man whose job is to be serious about the things of God. He's a religious man. He's a pure man. So is it him? Or is it the Levite who the same way is, is a holy man? It's a man who's involved with the, the sacrifices made to God. He knows the seriousness of these things. He's filled with religious stuff and he's uh, pure and uncontaminated. Is it him? Or alternatively, is it the Samaritan who we know is unclean because he's a Samaritan. He's actually in error because he's a Samaritan. Uh, he's ignorant of the things that people are supposed to be aware of and serious about. For all we know, he's an idolater. He doesn't really understand Israel's God. And racially, he's a mongrel. He's a half-breed. We would look down on him, or people would look down on him. Wouldn't sit next to him in a cafe. Wouldn't drink from the same cup like Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And which of these three was neighbor to that victim? Which of these three understood the law of God? Which of these three understood what it was that God deeply requires of humankind? The Samaritan who saw and was moved with pity and risked stopping and gave immediate aid despite the inconvenience, despite the cost in time and with great generosity. Is it him who treated the victim as himself, who was a neighbor to this man in accordance with the law of God? Who was neighbor to this man? And Jesus poses that question and the expert in the law cannot bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He just blurts out well, I suppose it was the one who had mercy on him. Yeah. He was a Samaritan, wasn't he? And Jesus says, well, impl implicitly says, do you know that Samaritan understood more about the law of God than you do for all your degrees and your PhD in, uh, you know, in biblical studies and uh, everything else? Uh, that's the man that you are to, to copy. Go and do like him. Now maybe I've succeeded in making it not shocking. What's Jesus doing? I think he's deflating. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a worrying thing to say, isn't it? It, 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 it? Doesn't it make you feel a bit uneasy? Wouldn't Jesus have been better if he'd said and there was a priest and the priest went over and, and, and did all those things and it was the Samaritan who passed by on the other side we'd be so much more comfortable with that but Jesus doesn't do that does he he, he seems to def deflate this whole construct of 
the priest, the Levite, the expert in the law, the religious people, the nice people, the good people, the people who are our sort of people. He says, well, that, uh, he deflates that and says, you can be religious, you can uh, have all of that buttoned down, sorted out, and at the same time completely miss what God is really getting at. Isn't that shocking? Um, I remember hearing Steve, what's his name, uh, the Baptist gentleman, no, uh, Baptist Union, got into trouble for writing a book in which the father was Steve Chalk. Yes, yeah, Steve Chalk. Uh, Steve Chalk telling a story about the people coming to a prayer meeting at such and such a church and there are street drinkers unconscious in the alleyway that the people are going uh, down which the people going to the prayer meeting are going and they carefully step over the bodies of these um, unconscious street drinkers in order to get to the prayer meeting I mean it's a wonderful preacher's illustration isn't it makes you feel so uncomfortable uh, and it, it's uh, I mean did it ever happen I don't know but it, it, you, you get that the, the you think oh dear I really wouldn't like to have been in that situation uh, so he deflates Jesus is deflating uh, the self-righteousness of why have I put N? Yes, N the the nomikos, the the lawman. I don't know. Does he puncture our self righteousness a bit? Do do we think? Well, what would I have done? Uh, and we can say, well, I, of course, one needs to be wise. And I and I'm thinking this even now. I'm thinking we drove on the way to Shoreham the other day and there was a there'd obviously been an accident. There were two cars pulled over in a lay-by, and as as I drove past. Uh, not on a huge miles an hour, but uh, I, was, I drove past. I think I can't stop now. It'd be really inconvenient if I stop now. It looks as though that accident happened a while ago. It looks as though it's all under control. I'll just drive on. And as I drove on, I nearly collided with uh, another car in Shoreham Tunnel because that person had stopped to see what had happened in the accident. I don't think they were very wise. You see, I comfort myself with that thought. It wasn't a wise place to stop. I nearly bumped into them and caused another accident. Uh, so I, I can comfort myself with that but I'm not quite sure whether I'm right to do so Jesus is pointedly showing that we can quite comfortably build up an idea of spirituality which is actually completely the opposite we could quite comfortably do that couldn't we we could say oh yes uh, here's my my uh, my religious week and this is what I'm going to do spiritually and we could find ourselves uh, you know we're going down that same road and uh, we can't stop and help this guy because uh, we're on our way to you know such and such a prayer meeting or we're on our way to such and such um, uh, whatever uh, we could I don't know a bit frightening really to think we could be in exactly that same situation and Jesus is saying you know it is so easy for you to think, for spiritual religious people like you, and that's us, isn't it? To think, oh, you've got, we've got it all sorted out. We could even give Jesus marks out of 10 because we're so good at this and we've completely missed the point. 
And uh, I think thirdly, Jesus is saying, we may have to learn humanity from people we look down on. And that ought to teach us humility. I think he's saying that. I don't think I've grasped everything that he's saying, but I think he is saying this. Because what he's talking about is humanity, isn't he? It was that the, the, the Samaritan had human fellow feeling in his gut for this poor man. And we are so used to overriding that. I mean, we've got, I mean, we can make lots of reasons for it. Look at all the things. He didn't see on the television all the stuff that we see of people starving here and children, starving children there and wars here. I mean, what else can you do but turn over to the other channel? Do you see what I mean? I mean, who could blame us? Compassion fatigue. How can we possibly care for all the people? I'm saying these things to myself. I'm not particularly confident that they're very particularly good reasons. And he's saying, we may have to learn humanity because the gospel doesn't make us less human, does it? It makes us more human. Jesus is the perfect human being. The gospel doesn't make us less human. Well, we can manage to do that to ourselves. It makes us more human. So passing by this chap, uh, you know, the, the, the priest is saying, well, is he Jewish? I don't know, distance, he can't tell from his clothing. I better go by on the other side. Is he one of us? I think humility is a valuable lesson from this. I think it's meant to deflate us and to puncture us. You know, puncture like you do with a car tire. So we can get a bit puffed up as to how well we're doing and this sort of, you're not quite doing as well as you think you're doing. You still need a saviour. You still need grace. You still haven't got it right. You still need forgiveness. You still need the blood of Jesus Christ. Humility, and I think this guy needed humility. I think if Jesus is puncturing his selfness, I think he's, he's moving him towards the gospel. I think. And here's my fourth comment. I think he is teaching we cannot we cannot draw a line in the human race and say these are my neighbours, these are the people I'm close to, these are the people that I... It's legitimate for me to try and love these as myself. But the ones on the other side of the line, I'm not really called on to love them as myself because they're not that close. You know, um, so, I mean, he, he does it in a controversial way. So, uh, as, as evangelical Christians, we could say... Um, well, we, we'll, we'll treat people of the same ethnicity and general background as ourselves. Yeah, we'll, we'll love them. But Muslims, well, we won't go out of our way to help them. Or we could say uh, gays, we won't go out of our way to help them. You know, you, 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 do, you do the line yourself. You draw the line and then Jesus says, I'm afraid you can't do that. That's not on. 
You, you can't, you have no excuse whatsoever to say of those people, well, I'm not, you know, it doesn't include them, I'm not going to love that person as myself, I'm not going to treat them as a human being. It may just be people that annoy you. You say, well, they, des- they don't deserve my patience, they don't deserve to be treated civilly. Look what they did to my car, you know, whatever. And Jesus says, you, you have no right to draw that line. Who is my neighbour? Well, he's the ever, whoever happens to be next door to you at that particular time. That's the sort of thing he's saying. And my concluding thought is this. This man in the story saw a victim and instead of just saying, oh, well, that's his problem, went out of his way, this man in the story went out of his way to go to this person at considerable risk and cost to himself to pick that person up, as it were, to um, bathe their wounds, to carry that person on his own donkey, I'm carrying sort of as it were in his own hands, to bring that person to a place of safety, to look after them and to treat them with richness and generosity and kindness that really you could not have it goes far beyond what you you know far and above the call of duty doesn't it that's the man in the story and i want to say don't you think that that's how jesus treated us